dun 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 Shelf Life Podcast. Da, da, da. No, I that's not actually not how it started. I'm Rachel. What? It starts <laughs> with it starts with the weird curtain. Oh no, no, no. It, no. it makes we'll it look like that. it's a little square. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Get to that. <laughs> this is Shelf Life. Honestly. The start of that music sounds like space balls to me. <laughs> and then it went into Superman. Interesting. That's what I heard. I heard space balls first and then it went to Superman. I was like, oh, That's interesting. Very interesting. Did, did space balls like use something similar to make it uh, sound like well, that? It was a well, because it's a parody of John Williams' music, and that's what John Williams is doing the score so here. That's so what that, I heard. Yeah. And then I was that's like, what I heard. <laughs> I'm like, I guess it's a space movie because he's an alien. Because he's an alien. Did yeah. we say our names? I think we did. Yeah, yeah, we okay. did. This is Shelf Life. You want to say it again? <laughs> no, no, no. I think we did it. I, I think I, I know I said this is Shelf Life. A podcast hosted by a brother and sister team where we were going through all the things of pop culture to determine whether or not it belongs on your shelf. As you can tell by our great, by my introduction. A beautiful rendition. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I pride You're myself welcome. on it. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel, this is a big one. This is not the main event for season two, but, and I would like to think that every episode that we do is someone's main event. I would every think movie, so. Every Not movie honestly. is someone's favorite movie. Right. Every TV show is someone's favorite TV show. Yes. We treat them all with the same. We're going to evaluate them. We're going to walk through them. I like how them. you didn't want to say respect because I may not respect everything. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't necessarily respect it, <laughs> but we're still going to do it. But this, for a lot of people, might be a main event because, Rachel, what is up for consideration to the shelf today? Well, it's a big one. If you didn't know the music, it is the shame ninth. <laughs> yeah, shame on you, because good music. The nineteen seventy eight Superman the movie. Superman. The I love movie. that it's called the movie. <laughs> <laughs> they have to make sure they have to class it up. It really should be Superman the motion picture. I think. Ooh, I like yeah, that. That's that classy. Been better. That's that classy. is classy. It's Star Trek the it motion is this picture. Classy. Yes. It's very I don't classy. think I would use that C word for it. Oh my god. I would say it's corny. <laughs> <laughs> it's a. It is very. It's very corny. Years old at the time of this recording. <laughs> it's super. So, it's kind of what I expected, but at the same time not yeah interesting interesting so i'm gonna start i'm gonna let you start with this beca because this is a rarity i think correct me if i'm wrong i think ghost was the first episode where neither one of us had seen it before neither one of us yes yeah i think this is the same thing i had never seen this before doing it for the show had no, what I've is your history with it. the movie 
I, I've never watched this, but I think I've seen clips and parts because like certain characters and certain scenes seemed very familiar. Now, a lot of them, I think, are also satired in like a lot of other things, yes. which is probably why it was more familiar. But I do think a couple of the characters were really familiar. And then I was like, oh, my God, I forgot that they were very jokey. I thought they were a bit more serious and in, in things, but I'm also used to more serious movies. This is a lot more. Exactly. Funny. Yes. This is considered a very serious take on Superman for 1978. Actually, there's a keyword. There's a keyword that the director would bring up. And that is the keyword for the entire production that we'll get into. And that word is Vera similitude. He even has like a, like a poster or like a plaque that he like put on his wall that's Superman and it just says verisimilitude over it. Rachel, do you know what that word means? I do not. Is this Latin? I have no idea. Folks at home, let us know. But what it is, is it means that you are taking something that is fantastical. You are taking something that is otherworldly and you are giving it truth. You are treating it as though it is real. And that was uh, that was Richard Donner's objective with this movie was to treat it with verisimilitude. If it was real, if you could treat the comics as real, he wanted everyone to to not make it a parody, which I'll get into. Okay. Um, so it is campy a, a little bit for today's standards. Yes. But for a comic book movie, then he was taking this and he was saying we are going to treat this with respect. Yeah, sure. Okay. From that standpoint, like, and that's that's going to be what's interesting about this because we've been stuck in the '90s for a while on shelf life. We've <laughs> done true. some stuff outside of that as well, and we've gone back to the '50s with Twilight Zone, but we haven't done movies from the '70s. This is this is a whole another whole another realm, and we're doing two 1978 movies this season. Oh my god, two, are we? Yeah, because Halloween came out two months before Superman came out. Oh yeah, I forgot we talked about. <laughs> oh my god, the same year? Yeah. Oh, that's hard to wrap my head around. Oh, that's gonna be kind of fun to talk about, like kind of comparing the two different types of film. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, I'm excited. Okay. So the weird thing <laughs> is, and folks at home, I think that you've gotten probably the idea that Rachel and I are fans of superheroes. I mean, we've already done one comic book. This is our first superhero movie, mm-hmm. and. I will our first start live action superhero. our first live action superhero movie. And it's in my opinion it's the first modern live action superhero movie too. Which is why okay. we're starting with it. Because everything after this this is ground zero and it should be. Superman is the first superhero it, his movie should be the first one. It should all stem from this and go forward. I think. Okay. Now let me tell you a little bit about my feelings about Superman before we get into the production and we do the walkthrough. Rachel's making a cringy face. I'm not a big Superman fan. I don't know the lore. He's not my favorite superhero. I don't own a single Superman comic. I own like Injustice and, and some of like the Justice League adjacent, the DC event comics, but I don't mm-hmm. own any Superman stuff. He's just never been my favorite. I think of Superman a lot like I think of like the Hulk Hogan character or Star Wars, where it's like, oh, this thing 
allowed a bunch of other stuff that I like to happen. So there's some like respect <laughs> there to understand sure. like where it, the ground zero was, but they've yeah. never been my favorite thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I do because I, I've always seen Superman as flat. He's always <laughs> felt like a flat kind of a story, flat kind of a character when there's no vulner, like, I know there's a vulnerability. You don't have to come at me for that. I know a lot of the background on Superman, but he just, it just, sometimes it just feels like too much. Like he can do too much. And it's just like, okay, he can do everything. Like, okay, great. Like it just, it just doesn't feel so dynamic for me. And that's, that's, I think where I always come from with Superman. So I tend to, to, to veer to different characters that are a sure. little less like super, and a little bit more like hero instead of just superhero. They're just like kind of like sure. I I mean there are a modern hero type of we'll, thing. We'll have to we'll have to get into some Superman comics when we as the journey goes on. If there are like recommendations out there for people that that think that these are like the best Superman comics or the best Superman stories or something like that. Oh yeah, sure. Like I would love to read them. I would love to to check it out, especially now since we can kind of like go through it together and like see it a little bit differently i love mm -hmm. discussing it that's kind of like my bigger thing so even if i don't like it i'm gonna love discussing it i can tell you that <laughs> so this is an interesting thing because this is a movie a lot of people know there's probably a lot of people out there that don't know about it because it's just so old too and they're gonna it, look at the modern one versus yeah and we'll get into some of that too the man of steel very different it's very different and very different i've only seen man of steel like once or twice maybe so i don't really have like a, two uh, big my, things i remember about that movie and i was like, uh. <laughs> well, but the thing is i don't have any nostalgia for this movie and i do think that like that will help us make a determination at the end too whether it goes on the shelf so sure. that's all interesting stuff i was debating about going into a little bit of the Superman history, but I think we could save that for when we do a Superman comic. Uh, okay. But I will talk about it a little bit just to veer into the movie. Is it June or July 1938? I think it's June 1938. It says at the beginning of the movie. It's whatever that little creepy kid says at the beginning of the movie <laughs> in the weirdest thing. June. That's when... June? Yep. Yeah, because the movie was supposed to come out in June 1978, but then it got delayed. So it's supposed to be like a 40 year anniversary thing. Oh, okay. So June 1938, Action Comics number one, Superman is in DC Comics, Detective Comics. And from then on, he becomes a sensation. Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster were comic fans, and they were pulp fans in the 30s. They had a comic in the mid 30s where they had a guy named Superman but he was a villain and he did mind control stuff and they had like one issue uh, in some magazine that they had that that concept and they were like oh well, let's retool this and actually make him like a hero and okay. we'll give him like a cape and he'll do all this stuff and the whole premise of it is that it's just this this guy that is just larger than life he's an alien he's he's his home world is gone he has mm -hmm. the ability to be super and it's a, almost kind of like a power fantasy. We'll get into a little bit more of that, of like the power fantasy when we talk about the movie. But it's just a way to have your ability to have just all the strength in the world and all the smarts in the world, right? Right. And it just took off. So they have... Not even just the world, it's the universe. You right. Think of it that way. 
So like they came out with <laughs> they came out with the comics. The comics started taking off. They have a radio show. The radio show becomes really popular. The comics adapt some stuff from the radio show. And just as comics do now with the movies, unfortunately, sometimes, unfortunately for others. And then, of course, Superman just endures and he ends up with his own animated series. Mm -hmm. He ends up with a TV series. That's where George Reeves played Superman. And then Batman comes along in the 60s with the campy TV show. (laughs) And after the campy TV show and camp kind of becomes unpopular superheroes have a bad name yes because now it's oh superheroes are camp superheroes are for kids and a joke which is weird because the 60s and 70s yeah kids read them but they were also read in colleges and and like it was it wasn't just for kids it was toned down more so than the 80s for sure but it wasn't just for kids at that point. But to the public, superheroes were stupid. So they weren't going to be given a movie for that matter. And then think about the movies that were being made and that were popular. You had things like The Exorcist and Jaws. And like it's stuff. A bit, and more, God- horror, a bit more scary. <laughs> and, the, and The Godfather. Yeah. So it's it's dramas that are excellent. Mm-hmm. They're on the list, but oh, yeah. it's not, not stuff that's yeah, no. <laughs> well, it's and it's they were on the list. I think all, they're all, all everything I just named is a main event. And they <laughs> the Exorcist one we're gonna have to do when we're together because I cannot. Uh, uh, that's gonna be rough. There are some that we're gonna do that are gonna be like uh, I'm gonna have nightmares because my brain takes over. <laughs> yeah. It's horrible. The idea is the 70s were like a dark time. It's starting to turn into the 20s. They were there was inflation. There were there was a lot of political corruption. There were a lot of issues. There were gas shortages. There were all these problems that don't sound familiar at all. And and wars and all this stuff. Got it. Really. Um, hmm. So that, and, the, and the and the <laughs> movies are getting campier. No, no, the movies were were getting more serious in the 70s. I know, but it's the opposite right now. (laughs) I don't know. Is it? I can't tell. I guess maybe. It depends. It depends on what you're looking at. There's a lot more content now than there was back then. This is also true. The idea that I'm trying to like say, and other others have said have shown this, and there's a ton of documentary. The thing about Superman is there's a ton of documentaries on YouTube Mm -hmm. that you can go watch or behind the scenes footage on DVDs and Blu-rays and junk. There's a ton of it. So I'm not presenting any of these ideas saying that they're novel. Others have said this kind of stuff. And I've and I've heard this kind of stuff on all of those. And the idea that I'm, I'm trying to get at is that I don't think that people necessarily were like in the mood for this stuff, even though to your point, Rachel, they should have been. If there was like a lot of strife, usually then your your you want your art, you want to turn off. Yeah. You, you want it to want, be more you fun. You want it to be different. You want to be more fun. Yeah. You want it to be a bit more of a way to escape instead of going into something that's the same and yeah. scary and awful. But superheroes were still resigned to TV. You had Wonder Woman and you had the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk on television. So there wasn't an idea of like, oh, that can be a movie because the movies were supposed to be more serious. But then Star Wars comes along 
and it's like oh this is fun maybe we can like have like a fun movie even though superman was in production way before star wars came out but i think it kind of proved that it might work because people are looking for what we're doing is what we want to do yeah and i think the producers the salkinds were probably worried about that because are people going to go see a superman movie it's a it's backdrop that i'm trying to give our younger listeners who maybe were born after 2002 who have not lived in a world where superhero movies aren't uh there isn't a new one huh <laughs> like just constant prevalent yeah like where there isn't theater. one constantly in the theater or on your television yeah not there's not one constantly coming out every single month or something like exactly that's what it feels like right now <laughs> exactly that's 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 all i'm trying to do is put you in a mindset so that you understand how big of a deal it was that somebody was trying to make a superman movie where if, where today you'd be like well fucking course somebody was trying to make a superman uh, movie like, <laughs> another reboot that's no, like well it wasn't back then <laughs> So the Selkines are these producers, and they produce some different stuff, Three Musketeers, things like that. They seem kind of shady. We'll get into more of their shady stuff when we do our Superman 2 episode, because the production gets really wonky. Yeah, because of Superman 2. This is interesting. Mm -hmm. For those that don't know the story. We they love the weird background information. <laughs> I, I, we, we don't put it. It's we don't fun, put it. No, you don't get it enough. Yeah. So the Selkines wanted to make a Superman movie because they were trying to find something that they thought that they could use, they could make a buck on. And DC Comics didn't want to make a Superman movie. Warner Brothers, who owned DC Comics, didn't want to make a Superman movie because they just thought it's going to be expensive and no one's going to go see it because we have this stupid comics division and who cares. Mm-hmm. DC was afraid that it wasn't going to go right. DC eventually said, you you have the rights to the movie, but we have to give approval for the director and who can be in it and stuff like that. Okay. And DC approved the, a gigantic list of actors. The, the cell kinds kind of figured like, okay, they're just They just want names because they just want to make sure that it's successful. So we're going to do whatever we want anyway, because they'll probably approve it anyway. And they decided that they were going to film Superman and Superman two at the same time. Which again, yeah, they were they were very confident that yes. So, folks at home, I need you to understand again. This is not Avengers: Infinity War and Endgame. This is no one thought this could be the highest grossing, second highest grossing film of 1978. That was not in the cards. So to do both of them, yeah, yeah, is kind of insane. Jeez, okay. So they make a deal with Warner Brothers when they kind of when Warner Brothers hears this because Warner Brothers is like, hey, if you take on the production budget, we don't give a shit. We will distribute it. So they decided Warner Brothers was like, we'll distribute it in the U.S. You guys produce it, but money's on you. Like we'll just we'll just you know pay for all the distribution. Mm-hmm. And they decided that they needed to find somebody that could write the thing and they were worried because it was a superhero with superman it's it's kid stuff they need to make it credible so they get mario puzo mario puzo wrote the godfather so they're like we want you to write this guy that wrote the godfather because clearly if you can write the godfather you can write superman it's the same thing in my eyes it's the same thing totally the same thing totally it's interesting. Do, do they have a question? <laughs> yes. Yes. Stop or, me. Stop me while you have questions. Folks at home, stop or, me if you have any questions. 
for superhero movies though don't they usually get a writer that like wrote a comic ever or is it always just a writer who like knows of the material and do they get like people some like today yeah some of the they ever do that because i just feel like a a comic book writer would understand like they they storyboard it's the same idea it's It's different though it is different writing a screenplay and writing a book or a comic are oh, yeah, are different. different. But the story Think, look at I... look at Fantastic Beasts for that confirmation. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, well, but you know what I mean, though. I, I guess it, I yeah, guess, they storyboard. Yeah, I guess yeah. they're kind of like obvious, but it just feels well, like and they, they say, need more remember... comic book people in order to get like the the feeling and like the the, the tone and like the actual like everything correct. I just feel like they would have to, but maybe that's just like a consult- consultant type of thing. And I think that's probably more of where they get the credit for it because I think you see it at the in the credits for every single movie because it's probably cheaper. But if it's like, oh, we're making Thor Ragnarok and we're mm-hmm. using the Planet Hulk storyline, mm-hmm. well, we've got to give the, the Planet Hulk people. Yeah, we have to credit. give them okay. credit. So it's really we're... just like taking the subject matter and then a screenwriter takes yeah. that subject matter yeah we're giving greg pack credit for the planet hulk piece but yeah okay but no that makes but sense. i I, just, I do th- i just feel like there should be like that person kind of in the room because they kind of like understand like and i think that i think that sometimes they are i don't think that they always are but i do think that sometimes they are like obviously dc comics was like we want to be there to see this sure, that's true but, yeah so i do think that that was you know it, it, it kind of goes hand in hand there are some movies where the screenwriter or a draft was or a story idea was made by somebody in the comic world okay that, but that's I, all i, I was that's all i was kind of wondering you yeah. know i just wanted to just to, like i just want to understand like that part of it sometimes where you you watch something you're just like did they even know the subject matter or and then you watch <laughs> something else and you're like god they knew like every little detail but it's like right so I'm just wondering how they figure that part out for the And I always go back and forth on it. We'll get into it. Richard Donner, I think, was probably a fan of it when he was a kid. I don't know if he was like a fan of it when he was an adult, but he had respect for the subject matter. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. maybe, and honestly, I think that's all you need. If you probably. If you can have respect for the subject matter, no matter how dumb it is, everything I want, I want it to be done, not unless it's a blatant farce and you're making a farce to make a farce. Yes. I'm not saying fart. I'm saying farce. A lot of farces. You said farce like three times. I hope farce didn't become a a word where it gets bleeped on uh, wherever you're you're listening to this podcast. Oh, man. Unless you're making a farce, I want it to be... I want you to try to take it seriously. I want you to to play it straight. Well, yeah, just do it. You know what I mean? Right. Because even if it turns out like shit, if you're playing it straight, it, it becomes funnier because you're trying and you're failing. Yeah, actually trying usually makes a B movie better. Once a B movie knows it's a B movie, it becomes it's, a B movie. Yeah, That's the turns, problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Constantly take it at, at like right at that value. Always. Mm-hmm. No matter what. You have to. So then he writes a screenplay. It's like 500 pages, which is a massive screenplay. But he was he he basically wrote two movies to write you know, right you're right because he had to do the first and the second one mm-hmm. they hire other people to do a second draft oh I'm, I'm forgetting the names now david newman and leslie newman do another draft of the screenplay pretty much and at okay. the same time the cell kinds are trying to find a director so they end up 
attaching it's a 007 director i can't remember which one he directed well they go they go through all these different people to try to find a director apparently george lucas they approached and he turned it down to do star wars instead that's funny they wanted to get steven spielberg but they they weren't quite sold on him yet this was all before (laughs) jaws like remember this is like 74 75 when this is happening right and then they hired guy hamilton who did some sort of james bond movie i can't remember which one goldfinger maybe dr no like one of them i can't remember well it's uh, that those are on the list and rachel might have to add those to the list those probably weren't on the list you write that down he was going to do it but they moved the production from italy to England because the exchange rate was better in England. And yes, and this this is what this is kind of how the Selkines are. So they were like, well, we gotta do the production in England now. So that's where they decided to go. Okay. But because they went to England, Guy Hamilton had to pull out. And I did not understand this. This was in one of the documentaries that I that I watched. And folks at home, let me know what the hell they were talking about. He was a tax exile. That's what the problem was. So he could only work in England for 30 days or fewer. So I think he was an English guy, but he could only work there because he was claiming that he doesn't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand it, but he had to pull out of the production because of that. Okay. So he pulls out of the production. They need to find a new director. The Omen comes out and the Omen (laughs) is directed. I'm sorry. Go on. The the Omen is directed by like giant grouping of movies. Yes, that's what I'm telling you. The 70s has this grouping of movies that that kind of they were all very director driven. All of a sudden, they're all very they're all very creative. They're all very filmmaker based. They're not you know it's a it's a good time. It's a very good time. So Richard Donner makes the Omen, and they're like this guy's got kind of a a good voice. Maybe he'd he'd be up for it. So, and this story, he says in the, in a couple of the documentaries I watched, he told it both. So he gets a call from the Selkines while he's pooping. Are you serious? Yes. Why he says he, he was on the, why? he, he said he was on the toilet. I say he was pooping. Well, I would assume. That's what he had to be doing. And the Selkines said that they were going to offer him a million dollars to do it. And he didn't know who they were, but he was like, well, a million dollars. And he has, <laughs> and I don't know where... <laughs> And I don't yeah, know where they. So weird already. <laughs> I don't know where they have this, but it belongs in a museum. So he had nothing to write it on. So he had a business card for his like hairstylist in his pocket. So he wrote down all the details on this business card while he was sitting on the toilet, and they showed it in the documentary. And it and it shows Why? it shows the Selkind's names. It shows Gene Hackman and Marlon Brando because we'll get to that first. Brando and Hackman signed on before they got Richard Donner, and then it was like the scheduling dates of when he when he had to do it. Mm-hmm. So then he got the script in the mail, and he was like, "This is horrible." So apparently, apparently Mario Puzo wrote a serious script, but when the others got it to do the rewrite, they made it into a much more campy tone to the point where like Kojak was in it, which nobody knows who that is. Telly Savalas was Kojak. He was like a detective from the seventies. Okay. Stuff like that. So Tom Minkowitz 
was a friend of Richard Donner's and he was like, I've got a job for you. You need to rewrite this Superman script. It's 550 pages. And he was like, I'm not oh. doing that. So he, they tell, he tells the story of like, no, you have to, it's way too campy. It's bad. And this is where, please. <laughs> so he made him come to his house and he put on a Superman costume. Oh my God. That the Selka and Sunset. <laughs> and they both, they both told this in separate interviews. So I believe it. it it's more credible. So they both say that he put on a Superman costume and he was like, you got to You've just got to put on the costume. You you'll want to do the job. So they rewrote the script. He gets uncredited. Minkowitz does, but he rewrote the script to take out the campy tones, to leave in the Puzo stuff and to move some stuff around. And then they went on the quest to try to find Christopher Reeve. They did like a two year journey to find Christopher Reeve, who's this unknown guy. And maybe we'll talk about more of the cast as we go through the walkthrough because yeah, ladies so. and ladies and gentlemen, you and I were talking about this off air, Rachel. This is a two and a half hour long movie. Two and a half hours. Which means we're going to talk for at least five, but <laughs> we are going to talk for at least seven. Oh, and the, then we're going to get it down right. to the like edit four will be five. like five. Yeah. <laughs> this is a two parter. Get your uh. shortcut ready, but. The interesting part I think about that is people bitch and complain about superhero movies being too long now. Yes. And all I can think is, motherfuckers, this was 45 years ago and it was just as long. (laughs) Which I think goes to show you that it's not that it's too long. A bad movie is too long. Yes. A good movie is too short. It's not long enough. That's right. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so they start production. The production goes crazy. They end up going over budget. It takes very long. It's it's a lot of craziness. But the verisimilitude, not just of Superman, but of Shelf Life. Shelf Life, the podcast, has verisimilitude. Is that, that going to be our uh, our tagline now, verisimilitude? Verisimilitude, yeah. That's our tagline. We're bringing you, listeners, verisimilitude. That's Rachel and I's goal. I like it now. To bring I you like the truth. This. I feel like I need to put this on my wall. Yes, exactly. To bring you the truth about pop culture, it's all about verisimilitude. They go through all this production. I'll have my shelf, and then it'll say verisimilitude above it. (laughs) It's a great word. My shelf. I just like saying all of mine verisimilitude. But they go through the production. It's super long. It's over budget. The Selkines get mad that it's over budget. It's stress on Dick Donner. The cast loves him. We'll talk about the cast as we introduce the characters to the product at the end. They never get to screen it because it goes so long. They don't get any test audiences. They don't know what the hell they're in for. It comes out on December 15th, 1978. It's a huge, huge, huge hit. It's oh the God. at the time, it's the highest grossing <laughs> movie for Warner Brothers of all time. Holy cow. Of all time. That must have been scary. <laughs> Like, think about it. You're like, we didn't do anything with it. We just did it, and now they're going to watch it. That's it. That's the end of it. That's how we do our show. Unless we're beta testing. Yeah, kind of. No, you're right. Kind (laughs) of. We've had a couple beta testers. That's true. Just a couple. Thank you, beta testers. Um, We appreciate you. (laughs) (laughs) It came out to $12 million at the time. It was a record. I want to know what that is in inflation, in, inflationary. What is it? What'd you say? 12 million. Yeah. All right. So 12 million. Calculate. 
it is worth $53,819,742.49. Say that again. $53,819,742.49. Ah, Okay. I mean, that would be, that'd be a modest opening now, but the ticket prices, mind you, are extremely high. I should type this one in. Okay. It okay. grossed, after its run was over, $300.5 million, which is a shitload. It's a shitload now. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. It, it spent like, it spent like three months as the number one movie in the world. Okay. That's 1.3 billion. Okay. That's pretty, pretty damn good. That would be tops today. <laughs> Of like, like that, that's got to be near the top today of like highest grossing adjusted for inflation. That's insane. Because I thought Greece might have beaten it. Greece was the same year too, by the way. Greece. <laughs> so many movies. We're gonna come back to this this like little area of time. Oh a yeah, lot. absolutely. Just expect it. Yeah, we're gonna enjoy it. If you're ma- the, for those of you out there that are in charge of the shelf life wiki, I know there is one by now. There's, there's a, I want a timeline and I want all of the episodes on said timeline. And 1978 is going to have like oh, a, a bunch of little, yeah. It that comes out to really fun. I like it. You'd have to zoom in on that area. Yeah. Just yeah, blow that area up, blow up 1978. Yeah. Well, yeah. It comes out to rave reviews. Roger Ebert gave it four out of four stars. It's considered very good by the critics at the time, but that's not the question, Rachel question is, does it make the shelf? And I will pose this. The goal to get it on the shelf for you okay. and the listeners is... No, I like this. Will you believe a man can fly? Which was the tagline of the movie. Because if you can, by the end of this, does it make the shelf? Interesting. Any, okay. any, any other parting words before we take a short oh, no, break? Okay. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. <laughs> That's the other way we could have opened this. It's a bird, it's a plane, <laughs> it's shelf life. <laughs> I like that too. <laughs> so we're faster than a speeding locomotive. <laughs> Longer than a, lo- than a locomotive that's your chest stuck behind in traffic. <laughs> That's, um, that's what Superman used to be, right? You know, hey, it's a bird, it's playing Superman! Well, yeah, that was truth, the race. Justice that, and the American way. That's where... I, we'll talk about that. I have so many questions. I have okay. so many questions. When we come back, a word from our sponsor, our fake sponsor, we get into Superman. Superman, 1978. He's faster than a speeding bullet. He's more powerful than a locomotive. He can leap tall buildings in a single bound. Who is he? He's Superman! Now you can see scenes from Superman the movie on a Viewmaster viewer. Just put in a reel and click. You can see Superman, the legendary man of steel, in action. You can invite the whole gang over to see him. Viewmaster viewer and Superman the movie packets sold separately in most photo or toy departments. And we're back! Dateline, 1938! Superman not taking over! We're back. We turned into a radio show, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> we could do a radio show. Last week on Superman! Well, hello there, Lewis. This is Clark Kent. 
No, wait, that was Superman. Clark, oh, I have uh, to this get like is, a, well, this is Clark Kent. <laughs> and I'm Superman. I can't do Lois. Stand Lois back, Luthor. Because I don't smoke. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Margot Kidder has got She's that smoker. No, well, you man. know, it's funny because well, well I'm gonna talk about it now because I can. So Lois comes in right away at like well at, at one point, I guess. I guess we we don't see Lois. Like an hour into the movie. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Never mind, she doesn't. But <laughs> Lois is a lot tougher. She's a little bit rougher than you'd expect. I like she's, that. She's not too much of a damsel, which is fun. I like that too. I it's just like that. I wasn't expecting that either. It fits the Lois Lane character that I'm used to and that I think about when I think of Lois Lane. Either from like I don't know. Part of me thought she was going to or... be a little bit softer, but yeah. she was. She wasn't. No, I'm going to no, give it to her wasn't. on that way. Well. I guess I can say my history with Superman, my limited history with him, with the lore and with the mythology and the character. When I was a kid, I watched The Adventures of Lois and Clark with Terry Hatcher and Dean Cain as Superman. And it was kind of campy, but it I mean, as a kid, I liked it. Do you remember those at all? Not at all. Yeah, I think they're on HBO Max. Oh, guess what I'll be watching. <laughs> <laughs> they're not bad there's a new one too called lois and superman which isn't bad i just don't have all the time to watch it because i have to do this for you people but the <laughs> but I, what i've seen of it that one's not bad either but i liked those as a kid and i remember terry hatcher playing lois not as sternly as maro kidder but definitely not like the soft damsel in distress that you'd think of either because i just don't think right. that's the lois lane character no i don't think it should be i don't think it should be but i kind of expected it just because of like the year the time i guess yeah. the time you know they're always like i damsel in distress. no i mean let's let's start from the beginning let's okay. let's let's start from when clark is a baby it's before clark is a baby because we start the movie with the it's a very simple warner brothers logo it's kind of a w not the bump 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 not none of the fanfare that comes with that wb <laughs> logo now and then it's dedicated to jeff jeffrey on unsworth who was the cinematographer for the movie and okay. i am not good at cinematography i have no film studies or anything like that as we've gone over we are amateur podcasters i would love to though I can say, based on what I know about cinematography, this guy was good. Like, he, I, like, it is good. The, the camera movement and the way it frames everything is very nice. And that's mm -hmm. what I'm talking about when I'm talking about, like, the differences between how you would frame a comic panel versus how you would frame a movie. Sure. And, and he does a lot of camera movement and stuff that I think, it, and people really loved talking about him in the documentaries. I think he, he obviously died before this came out but richard donner really wanted to work with him so i and he, and he finally got to and i guess it was like a you know it was like something that he finally got to do and and he helped richard donner a lot with figuring out what to do Sto he storyboarded with him and stuff like that mm -hmm. so well like it, it's interesting because you say like okay he showing it in a comic versus showing it on screen there are shots though that i would say is a comic book i feel like there there are comic book shots and then it well, transitions can, yeah. into like real world like so yes. it's like, of course now we like now it's like it's actually moving comic book so I it's like that... well yeah you have the comic book shot that's going to be like that the shot and then that's it and then you have to actually go into real scenes though i think that's how it should be though because i think absolutely you get, the, you get this this you mixture. get that feeling yes 
yeah of it being a comic book movie it shouldn't hide from the fact that you're talking about a superhero and no. i can't remember if it was mankowitz or if it was somebody else but somebody says that donner wants us to believe this mythology donner looks at this as christopher reeve actually says it in his interview on these that he felt like he was just a custodian of the mythology mm-hmm. we've talked about that you are this is bigger than you this is yeah. a myth this is an American myth that was d- developed in modern times. Superman will live on long past any of us and will continue to have stories. You are just there to be a piece of it in the mm-hmm. history of it. Mm-hmm. And I and I appreciate that. As much as I'm not a, I'm not here to you know be a Superman fan, I'm a, I will geek out over the other superheroes, but he is like you should treat superman as the most important because he was the first one to be the most important i do think that batman and spider-man have surpassed him in the need to they get it right have, yeah. but you need to get superman right if you want to do it you can screw up certain superheroes and no one's going to really care right green lantern well i think people did kind of oh, i think people did care. Were, i was trying to think of like someone that has pissed, been you know? ghost rider <laughs> Nobody cares. Ghost Rider. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was fine. It wasn't good, but it was. Folks fine. at home, is there a movie that's like a lower-ranking superhero that they screwed up that you were just pissed that they screwed up? I would love to know. Yeah, tell me because we'll it. get to ours. We'll we'll do I'll it. I'll watch it. I will watch it and be pissed with you. Yeah. Or not. I mean, I might be like, "This is great." Yeah, I might be like, "This is great." <laughs> I don't see the problem. So. It starts with a curtain opening, which I thought was an interesting beginning. It was so weird, and like this little square, I was like, "Is it gonna? Is it gonna be bigger? Is this how we're?" It was like it? the commercials when you go to the movies now, and they're like, "Don't watch it at home. Watch it on the big screen." Yes, it's <laughs> like it. Don't watch it on your phone. It's like make it bigger the way it's meant to be watched. I don't oh know why they did it that way. And then the score I thought was eerily similar. Is it similar. because they're taking it from the from a comic I to guess a radio so. to the big screen? Yeah, like maybe is it that's actually maybe them that's doing what it, it is. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's what it's supposed to convey. Yeah, that's a good call because it starts with it says June 1938, and then it shows a it, it doesn't show a kid. It shows a comic book. It shows a newspaper. comic book. And it's, which I kind of like, because if you think about su- this Superman movie being like the start of the modern day superhero movies, it's like, we're, all right, we're starting, we're starting the world, we're opening the book. Yeah, here. we're opening uh, it up, this is it. But it still was a little weird, because this creepy It was kind voice. of Princess Bride-ish, because it's like, uh, oh, look, we're going to go into the book now, ready? Hop in. Like, Well, uh, it's also weird, because they say June 1938, and they're talking about, it's a kid opening an action comic. Yeah. And it, it's talking about the Depression and how the Daily Planet needed to be this journalistic integrity for the times. It's a creepy little kid voice like, the Daily Planet talked about, did auto-journalism during the, during the Depression. <laughs> <laughs> but nothing really comes of it after that. No, like, that's, they just, that's, that's all not, they do. The movie's not like, set It's just in the intro. It's set in 1978. Like, it, I, don't, I don't quite understand why they're talking about the Daily Planet here, but they do. Yeah, because then it takes it goes to the Daily Planet. It goes from yes, like it shows the you panel, the Daily Planet. Yeah, and then it makes it real. Oh, and maybe that's why it does that because it shows you the Daily Planet, 
And then, yeah. and I thought the score was was doing that Star Wars, which would not be the first time John Williams like self plagiarized. I'm telling you, it sounded like Spaceballs. You don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Folks at home, let Rachel know if she's right or not. It starts zooming in in the sky above the Daily Planet, and right. that's where the screen, the curtains, kind of part even more. You kind of get sucked into the screen. So I think you're right about what they're trying to do and they're trying to convey here. I didn't think about it until now. And then you get the opening credits. They're long as hell. Oh my god, they're so long. They go on for a very long time. But the score and the theme is so good, I don't care. It's no, it was enjoyable. such a good theme. Yes. The music, very good. We might as well talk about the music now, because why not? The music is done by John Williams, who is one of the most prolific composers for movies of all time. This is one of his most famous themes. When you hear this music, you think Superman. And like, you can't separate them. Yeah, you can't separate them. So Jerry Goldsmith, he did the score for The Omen. And Richard Donner was going to have him do the score for Superman, which I really want to hear what he would have come up with, because I like Jerry Goldsmith, too. He's, he's a good composer. They had some conflicts in scheduling, so John Williams was hired to do it, because he was like, well, maybe I can get John Williams. And John Williams was able to do it. Williams talks about how he read the script, and he realized that the script wasn't taking itself too seriously. It was supposed to be fun. So that's how he wrote the music it's supposed to be fun it's supposed to be lighthearted, but it is supposed mm-hmm. to still sound like a superhero yeah a bit empowering a bit dramatic but still kind of like light yes and i think it's great i i really do this is one of my favorite themes of all time period i've never seen the movie i've heard this theme a million times <laughs> oh god of course i pro the first time i probably heard it was the seinfeld episode where jerry races the guy <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all uh, where i've heard it probably the first time yes or his for, lois. For lois. i don't know lois yeah exactly <laughs> i kept waiting for superman to wink at the camera because jerry does that in the episode he did. I that's, this is where he, he got did, it kevin he did at the at the very end i think he does oh. right no, it was in the middle of okay. the camera. Okay, we'll, the camera. we'll get there. We'll get I there. I know he break, broke the fourth wall. I didn't know that was a Superman thing. I don't think it is. I think it was just part of like 1970s slightly corny. The fun story that Dick Donner tells, I'm calling him Dick Donner because the whole cast does because they just loved him so much. But <laughs> Which I'm, I'm emphasizing that for our Superman 2 episode. If you're listening to these back to back, because we have all the Supermen on the shelf or oh, on yeah. our, as our episodes. Yeah. It's a, your Superman collection. <laughs> he says he was at the recording when Williams was doing it and Williams and got the, the orchestra. I think he used London Symphony Orchestra to do it. He got them to start playing it. And Donner like walked in the room and was like, it's brilliant. It's great. And he was like, you just ruined the take. <laughs> Cause he just oh. like walked into the studio. Like it's perfect. <laughs> It's great. It is great. And I do like that the letters just fly at your face. It's the most yes. like, look at how three, look at how 3D. intense and 3D we are. We're flying through space. So we move through space and we end up coming up this giant super giant of a sun. It's yeah. a big red giant. So we know that we're in an area where the sun 
or this this star is aged. We're in this very advanced in life stage, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right. And just underneath it, because I was like, I don't remember Krypton being like <laughs> red. So, but you. <laughs> You kind of go underneath that star. Yeah, it's like getting real close to them. Yeah. Well, because it's expanding. It's expanding. And, the problem. And underneath the supergiant is this white planet, and it, and you get to find out that this is Krypton. Or it's as... It's adorable set. It's, <laughs> they're so cute. I love the sets. Little models. Yes. I'm sorry, they're so that, fun. That's something to point out. The way that I think about movies is everything should be a model or a set, and then it should be enhanced by CGI. Yes, I agree. Because, yes, they're very adorable, as you put it. Oh, they're it. so fun. I love <laughs> it. it. Looks... So, as Jorel in this Marlon Brando, he continues to say, because I think he was mispronouncing it on purpose. At some point, somebody probably tried to correct him, and he was like, fuck you, I'm Marlon Brando. He keeps calling it Krypton. He keeps going Krypton. Oh, he's even saying Krypton. You're on Krypton <laughs> instead of Krypton. <laughs> this is why they wanted to kick him off. <laughs> so, Get out of here. You're saying this planet wrong. This set is a bunch of Fortress of Solitudes. Like I think that's I, I, I think it's it's the biggest like fortress, right? I think like the but, fortress of solitude is like just a little fraction of like so how like this do was they built. have to live in these type of things because they're so close to this big sun? Like I think it has to be some sort of protection. <laughs> I, I think could... it is. I think the way that it's built, it must be some sort of protection because everything is made of glass. It's like the most fragile ev- like thing. I feel like maybe it's not. <laughs> maybe it's like incredibly well. Okay, like, so. You're they're in a they're basically inside the snow globe, right? Like, well, this part's the snow globe, but the snow oh no, globe oh yes, okay, all right. Let's talk about this part. The rest first. of it looks like a giant like shards of glass. Yes, I forgot about I, this first scene. I had no idea that it was going to start out with this first scene because I knew scenes of this movie. I knew I know the story, so I was like, I was expecting certain things. I wasn't expecting this because this is also in Man of Steel. This scene mm-hmm. where the first line inside the snow globe is Jorel going. This is no fantasy, no careless product of wild imagination. And I was like, oh, that's supposed to be like, okay, we're not in a fantasy world, folks. We're doing Superman verisimilitude. This is real. Enjoy it. it. This is it. Here we are. And I think both for the narrative and to give truth to the story, he says that. So I was wondering whether to talk about this now or talk about this in the next scene, but let's just talk about this now. I love, and you know I love this. Uh-oh. 1970s future. Oh my god! I love. It's so weird. It's so I weird. love. This in is the alien 70s. future. You got to think about it that way. If this is alien technology, yes, this isn't I just love... futuristic. This is alien technology. But the ideas that movies and books had in the 70s and to an extent the 80s had of what the future looks like, yeah, is so bizarre and interesting to me. Some of it seems kind of like, well, yeah, that kind of is a thing. Like the giant Zordon heads. Okay, so the giant, we have giant Zordon heads. Well, just think about it this way. Like they're on screens. They're just kind of like, they're coming in like remotely. Yeah, they're just on right? screens. Yeah. But, it, but, it, but they look like giant just Zordon heads, like floating there. <laughs> well, I mean, I could see that actually being a thing now. You have like this weird dome that you stand in and you just like, you do a speech and you have the people 
around you on screens. It's similar. Yeah. And so that is more more realistic. Now well, the hula hoop. That's a different thing. That's a different. The story. hula hoop, which I don't know what the <laughs> hell it was doing. I guess it I was assume, just keeping them okay. in place. I assume. I assume these hula hoops that were like spinning and up and down right around the the people that they're on on um on trial. Yes. I assume it has some sort of kryptonite, right? Or does kryptonite no, like no, do no. nothing to them on Krypton? I don't no, understand there, kryptonite. I I'll explain kryptonite later because I think I understand kryptonite. There's no kryptonite. Kryptonite doesn't exist yet. Oh, it doesn't exist yet. Is it like okay? So it's like a core thing. It's for I I think it's formed when the planet blows up. Spoiler alert. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, see, I don't. I think I think I the hula hoops okay. are just keeping them in place so that All they right, can't. So it's just like a it's like a force field. It's like, it's like keeping the force field going. Yeah, the hula hoops going. <laughs> it's making some weird noise and everything. I love it. So we are seeing a trial of treason and sedition. These people use crystals for everything. These Kryptonians. They are the people that that you know that just think that crystals have healing powers and they have crystals now everywhere. Just, now you're just being mean. They believe in astrology. I bet some of our, re- our, bet some of our listen- listeners are very into this. I'm not saying you can believe whatever you want. It's just they, well, I'm no, saying like, the Kryptonians. They they, but they use crystals. They use everything as like either see-through or it's like opaque and it's like very glassy and yeah, icy these looking. These people are very into crystals. It feels kind of like they think it's it looks a bit richer, a bit fancy and like, I don't know. There's something like about it that makes them look superior is what it felt to me. Well, they do say that they're far more advanced than humans they're far more advanced than should, Earth. can i can oh well i guess okay let's let's get through this scene and then i have a parallel i want to make that you won't understand but i have a feeling some of our listeners will understand and john barry did the production design too so he designed all of this stuff so they just don't make production designers like they used to for this 1970s future so I, i'll i'll i'm gonna after this scene i'll talk about 1970s future again because it's just okay so anyway they're on trial, and it's the three villains that will come in part two, including General Zod. Mm-hmm. General Zod is the main villain of the, of Superman 2. So they were going to start a revolution, and yes. they wanted to start a new order with him as the ruler. That's what they tell us. Right. Which I think is also in Man of Steel, if I remember that correctly. So we, we're going to have to do a compare when we do Man of Steel. I would love to do a compare. I think that'd be fun. Because I know Man of Steel is very, very divisive. It's very polarizing. It's a, it's... Man of Steel does some things that are not that bad. I, sure, I, that are, but that I are feel decent. like, if we're going to talk about this for like a second, I yeah. feel like Man of Steel did some things very wrong. Absolutely. No, a thousand percent. We'll, so, we'll get into it. As much Again, as they may I, have done a few things right, I feel like they did a few no, things very no, I'm wrong. Just saying, I'm just saying it, this, <laughs> this particular scene is in both. Movies. Oh, yeah, sure. So yeah, yeah. so that's where I'm saying to compare them. Sure. And like, yeah, yeah. did Man of Steel do justice to what they were trying to convey? Did this scene do it better? You know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. The Giant Heads, all, which is the Council of Elders for, for right. Krypton. <laughs> the Zordon heads, as you put it. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> I will be making these comparisons this entire time. Now all I can think of is Zordon being a member of the Kryptonian Council. <laughs> Rangers, I come from the planet Krypton. Hey, the Zeo crystal Ooh, was a, a crystal. It's a crystal again. Maybe he stole it from the planet Krypton. Oh my god. <laughs> there you go. There you go. The Rangers are just using Kryptonian technology. That's oh all they're god. using. It makes sense now. Yeah. It all folks makes at home, sense now. Folks at home, there's your there's your uh, fan fiction. There's your there's a comic book. Go go tell uh, Boom and DC to get in on that. Uh, I want to see it. The Power Rangers meet it. Superman. So anyway, the giant heads all say that they're guilty. And Zod, I do love that they're like, guilty. Yeah, we'll, uh, so we'll change dramatic. that in post to make that echo. <laughs> <laughs> Zod says he's going to hold Jor-El personally responsible yeah. because he will be the final vote and it needs to be unanimous. Now, it's a bit harsh in my opinion because the, all the rest of them said he was guilty too. But he's also like the one that it seems to have put them on trial. So he already yeah. thinks you're guilty. All right. I guess that's fair. So like maybe it's because he kind of put them on trial. I would assume maybe. Because he's the one that's he's overseeing the one who them in. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's clearly like the prosecution. He's mm-hmm. telling the, the council the story. Jor-El does not take Zod's offer because Zod is like, you can be my number two if uh, you just disagree with the council, then we'll get off right. scot-free. But he instead condemns him to the window prison, which I oh think is supposed to be a some window sort of like metaphor. A mirror. Oh yeah, mirror prison. Yeah, they're in the mirror, mirror realm. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's like this <laughs> shard of mirror that just comes from nowhere and then leaves to go to nowhere. Like I'm like I was just like yeah, they just they float in space for all eternity. It's a very That's harsh horrifying. punishment. That's horrifying. Like horrifying. That, it must like keep you in like a suspension then, right? So you're like in a state of suspension too. I guess so. That so. is a really harsh punishment. Well, maybe because they're saying "forgive us, forgive us" as they float away, which was kind of right. Creepy. Which is so weird, though. Too, I'm surprised they were screaming that they never even said a damn word to the council. Like they didn't even get their side of the story. They didn't even have to do any of that. They were probably not expecting the mirror. Oh, maybe um, punishment. Yeah, because that was when they realized that he was getting the mirror punishment. That was the problem. They're like, "Oh no, oh damn!" Zod also (laughs) condemns the the heirs of Jor El as well. So you get that too. Then I didn't like the transition to the next scene because we go from that scene and Zod being like, "You don't always agree with the council," and then the very next scene, we're like at a council meeting. They're all in their fluorescent They're white, weird robes yeah which were real they like put little lights underneath all that stuff so that it glowed so off the camera weird. yeah the glowing the glowing <laughs> they look like they're in foil and it's reflecting yeah but that's what it is that's literally it's what so it crazy. is now and... this is this is where i want to i want to pull a parallel for a second okay go ahead well i guess if you want to if you want to talk about what they're talking you t- you say it first, and okay. then I'll talk about the parallel. So Jor-El is trying to convince the council that the planet is going to die. Mm-hmm. I assume because of climate change, because they are flying closer to the sun. They're like, it's None just of the... shifting. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it's just shifting. shifting. It's Basically, none of the council believes him. Right. They all think he's full of shit, and they've turned down his offer. They're... So go ahead and say what your parallel is. So, 
yeah, so it's it's interesting to me because they're very they seem kind of high and mighty. They're like, yeah, we don't believe you. Whatever, we're fine. Like, I guess if you want to leave, we're not leaving, right? It's one of those things. And for me, looking at them, looking at what they're wearing, the way that they hold themselves, it reminds me of Doctor Who and the Time Lords and the way that they hold themselves and the way that they're kind of like pompous and they only want to listen to themselves and all of those things. They don't want to hear anybody like say that they're doing something wrong and that they should be doing something else, which is what happens. Same idea. Except they brought the destruction on themselves and they didn't have like a son that's about to kill them. Well, and I don't, I, I mean, folks at home, let Rachel know if she's right with this parallel because I just, I've never watched just, Doctor Who, so I don't know. that way. Well, I'll give you that. Uh, you want to know They have those like pompous ass robes and everything too. I guess I, they're like a council of town, yeah, time lords true. and stuff. It's just like, I guess it's like any council. They hold themselves in such like a high esteem. I, I was going to say, it just reminded me of today <laughs> and climate change yeah like, that's geez, what i thought of that too. it just was like like this guy's bringing to it your attention a potential problem and they're like, they're like fuck no, that no 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 you're wrong we've got money to make we don't need you telling us making everybody freak out problem. nobody In needs fact, to get scared if you go tell anybody <laughs> that there is a problem and that the glaciers are melting and we have a lot of glaciers because we basically live in them if you go tell anybody that we are going to hold you for insurrection yeah and, uh, and so i just thought it was interesting that you do the one scene where he they're condemning somebody for doing an insurrection and then in the next scene they're like now you're well, going to be held I, for an insurrection but that i think does that kind of show how their government, how their like council yes. are, it yeah. shows that because it's like, oh, hold up a second, nobody can like question us. Nobody, yeah. we already yeah. shoved that guy into the mirror world. Don't you, do you want to be in the mirror world? This is right. this is what we do. We just shove yeah. everybody into a mirror I, world. I wonder if it was supposed to us be... and don't agree. I bet it. I don't think it probably was at the time. I. Uh, it could be. You could like think of it as the McCarthy hearings if it was the U.S. or maybe even like the the way that Stalin ran the Soviets and. But I, I'm sure that there's parallels that can oh, be of had. Course. There's always parallels all in of, all of time and everything. Yeah, yeah. Now it, anything. Yeah, for sure. So two things to talk about before we move on. One is 1970s future again. Love oh the robes. God. Love the look. The weird thing that I love about 1970s future is when I think about the 1970s, I think about a dirty, dirty, disgusting decade. I think everything looked gross. Everything looked very plain. That's why everything is white and pristine. It's and just glowing. that no matter how, <laughs> no matter how clean you make it look or how sanitized you make it look, the seventies were just like shag carpeting, brown walls. Everything and looks dingy. like shit. It just, it, everything just looked gross. They took their gross 1970s aesthetic and then they put it to like the future and it just looks so weird. I just like the idea because it just contrasts this to these two worlds a lot. It really does. It really does. Now, the other thing is, is they have all of these symbols. They don't explain the yes. symbols. They all have these symbols on their chest though. I Okay, these... I like the symbol. I like this the symbol. I, I find it interesting. No, no, no. I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm saying I like it. It's interesting. They don't explain it. I don't have any information on, is it like a house symbol? I assume it, it like, was a house symbol. Is it like and something what, like this? Like, what is it? 
Like, is his, like, actually, like, a snake, and it's not, like, a, an S? Like, is it, like, it's, some weird, it's like... It's never explained in the movie. No. Marlon Brando actually had this idea. Marlon Brando wanted to have Jor-El wear the same S symbol that Superman wears to be a house symbol. Because I like that. I really like that idea. And, well, let's talk about Marlon Brando a bit. But that was a really good idea. And I think that they've adopted that into the comics after this. The S is just the symbol for the house Dorel. Right. In Kryptonian. Right. It it's, just happens to be an cool. S. It, okay, again, I know I'm, I'm going to bring up Doctor Who again. But Doctor Who, the Time Lord writing looks like a bunch of circles, like, interconnected and, like, mm. lines like that, which looks really interesting. And that's kind of where I'm seeing this is coming from. It's, like, just a bunch of different movement and flow of different symbols that actually probably say the family name oh i see what you're saying yeah yeah that that makes it interesting marlon brando was one of the most famous actors of all time and he was considered one of the greatest actors of all time after the godfather came out he won an academy award for the godfather and he could do whatever he wanted he was notoriously lazy even at this point so he well so here's what happens the Selkines want to legitimize this project and somebody calls one of the Selkines and is like, we can get you Marlon Brando. And they're like, well, we've got to do that. If you can get us Marlon Brando, <laughs> they paid him three and a half million dollars or somewhere around that to do this part, which is like 10 minutes of screen time. If that Holy in this cow. movie at the time, it was the highest paid an actor had ever been. But Marlon Brando doesn't want to do any work. He wants to, he loves money. He doesn't love working. I think was somebody said the fra- that phrase to Richard mm-hmm. Donner. So Richard Donner has to go meet him. And the person tells Richard Donner that's going to go meet him. Like, he's going to test you. He's going to say, why don't we just make it a suitcase or something like that? Why doesn't, why don't we just have it be voices? Because why would, uh, why would they be look like humans when you know all this stuff so he was expecting this this thing so he goes and meets with marlon brando brando tells him i i'm not gonna do a brando impression but brando <laughs> tell i thought about it for a second i saw that brando tells him why wouldn't they just be bagels why don't they look like something totally foreign because Jorel knows what humans look like so he would just make kal-el look like a human but kryptonians could look like whatever and obviously he was trying to test him to see if he could get out of having to do the acting and just do a voiceover. And he wanted to see if Richard Donner would stand up to him. Mm-hmm. So I guess I can't remember who the, I think the cell kinds were like, Oh my God, this is going to be a disaster. This man's insane. And R- Richard Donner was like, Marlon, this character has been around for 40 years. Everyone <laughs> knows what he looks like. Right. <laughs> Everyone, everyone's going to be expecting him. He was like, he when I was a, a kid, yeah so he was like i knew what Jorel looked like when i was eight years old like you cannot <laughs> you can't be a, a bagel no, so you can't be a bagel <laughs> so then they, they there's there's conflicting reports a little bit so they said like christopher reeve was pissed at marlon brando he was like the dude phoned it in you can tell he phoned it in there's others who were like he was hesitant because he thought he was it was going to be shit because he was like it's a stupid little silly movie and then they said he read the script and he went up to Minkowitz and was like, this is wonderful. <laughs> he had ideas. He would not memorize the script because he didn't want to. So they said like when he's doing the speech to kal he's reading it. You can kind of tell he's reading it. 
they had the script on the baby's diaper so that he went, when he was holding the baby, he could read it off the diaper. Why would you do that? But the, but they all said that once he read the script, he was on board. Like he went to yeah. Terrence Stamp and he was like, what if it's crap? What if it's crap? I don't want to be in a movie if it's crap. I know yeah. I, I had to do it, Marlon Brando. I'm sorry, I have to. But after he read it, he was like, "Oh, this is a wonderful script. This is going to be very good. We could be in this. It's going to be okay." So, <laughs> Marlon Brando ended up on board, but he still tried to get out of doing as much work as humanly possible. I respect that as a yeah. as a. I can do respect you? that. No, I don't really. I mean. It's Marlon Brando. We'll get into Marlon Brando being a fucking crazy person. Because I think he was insane. I do think he was insane. And he never pronounced Krypton right. Krypton. Krypton. Now, we get a better look at this. We get a better look at this 1970s future. Oh, I love this. Because now they're in, like, the the travel communication, like, chamber. I don't know what What the hell What is this? So he's, like, preparing something for Kal-El. Yeah, it's all of these crystals stacked on top of each other, mm-hmm. and like I guess this mm-hmm. is like his crib. I don't know what we're no, looking no, no. at here. I don't think it's a crib. So I don't think this is their their like room. I don't think this is like their home. I think they're in some area that's it that is like specifically for either communications. It's either for like um, some type of archive, or it's it's going to be some sort of archive for I them. Can say. To- yeah, or or something like that, right? Actually, because, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. Because he's got all of these, like, crystal tubes, right? And he's, mm-hmm. like, pulling out crystals and he's stacking them and he's saying this is the universe's memory. This is the universe's in- knowledge and, and all of that. And yeah. this weird star thing, <laughs> <laughs> I think, is just, like, a container. Just a spaceship container to move from one place to another. And it's just supposed to protect it. I'm assuming that the the weird like spike crystals is like some way of like protecting whatever is inside. It's a very bizarre design. I like it. It's unique. It is so different though. I mean, it goes along with the crystal thing. Yeah. And little Kal-El in his bright, colorful outfit. Red, yellow, and blue. He gets to be colorful. Is that like only a child thing? When you grow up, you have to like lose all your... Lose all your color. It's like yeah, depressing maybe, and like maybe. very metaphorical. <laughs> they're they're like a royal family, right? Like they're on the council. So like maybe this is maybe that that's white. True. Maybe that's just like for council members or something. Oh, could be. And maybe like their their family colors are blue, gold, and red. Or like that's just night colors too. No, I, I like know. that idea too. I like the idea that 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 like his suit is just like his family like armor or yeah, something like that. Always, I like that idea. Family. I think that's a nice. It's a nice little touch. And it makes sense that it would be. It would have been with the stuff that that went with him too. Right. Because like when he grows up, he can wear this kind of a yeah. thing to remember. Like a... Remember, he's part of the elves. The yeah. family L. So Lara L has him, like you said, brings in Cal, the baby, baby Cal L. Little squishy baby. I like that it's a real baby. Nowadays <laughs> it would probably just been a CGI baby. baby. <laughs> well, they're hard to work with. They don't. A lot of play people like say, if we don't have to work with uh, babies, we're yeah, not going to work with kids. Children, if you don't we don't want to work with children. Yeah. 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 And it's hard on them. It's hard on everybody on set. <laughs> yeah. But this um, just little squishy baby didn't look like he cared. He was just like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Lara, who is Kale, uh, Superman's mom, Lara yep. L, yep. is talking with, because 
Jor-El is like finalizing some stuff with the it looks like it should be like an instrument like I expected him to start like blowing into it like, at any like it could be an instrument yeah I'm now going to play the crystals it's gonna start like going poofing up like a poof yeah <laughs> yeah like that's what you could that's do. what I expected out of it yeah <laughs> Jor-El had told the council, because they when they're like, if you tell anybody, we're going to throw you in jail. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm not going to leave, and my wife is not going to leave Krypton. That's all he said. They're, they're going, we're going to stay. And obviously, he's doing it to set up that his, I'm not telling him, Jor- I don't, I'm not telling him Kal-El is going to leave. I'm not telling him Kal-El. Kal-El's yeah. going to leave. I'm going to have him leave. <laughs> but Lara is like, why does he have to go to Earth? They're hundreds of years, behind, thousands of years behind us. They're primitive. Why does he have to go there? And Jor-El's like, well, he can breathe there for one. <laughs> and the a- atmosphere and yeah. the way we look. He and the, he'll look in. like them. Yeah, so he'll blend in. It's like, yeah, it makes sense. Of course you got to do that. And Yeah, you don't want to send him to like Gleep Glop over there in another universe. <laughs> and it's a bunch of like tentacle beings with one eye. Like, oh, it's I not going to work the same way. Is there, is there a, folks at home, is there a, a uh, Earth one or like an alternate his uh, what if story where Superman's crib <laughs> ship gets sidetracked and he ends up in a bunch of tentacles and he's the <laughs> and he's just this super baby with just it's just a planet Weird of looking aliens yeah yeah it's just a planet of like those of like the uh, xenomorphs and they want to <laughs> kill him and eat him but they can't because he's he's got super he's, strength yeah he so just he's squishes just there yeah. <laughs> So they do say, like, he will defy their gravity. He's going to be much stronger than them, but he mm-hmm. could still blend in. And Lara's like, but he's going to be alone. And Brando's like, you're not, he's not going to be alone. He's got this green crystal, which I thought at first was kryptonite. I thought it was kryptonite. I was like, is yeah. that kryptonite? The entire time I was like, <laughs> I was waiting. I was like, is that kryptonite? What's he going to do with the kryptonite? Does it not bother him right now? Does he need it until he gets to Earth? Like, what is this doing? <laughs> These were all these are all written down. Rachel has notes written down. So many questions on a pad. <laughs> have we hit any of your more questions? Do you have more questions yet? No, <laughs> no, no. the no. The next part is when Clark is older, so okay. <laughs> it's fine. So some of them are just comments, you know. Yes, it's great. Of course, Jor-El gives a speech. He reads off the script, of course, but he's damn good. He's fucking Marlon Brando. He's still good. <laughs> you can kind of tell he's phoning it in though. And he says goodbye to his son, which I think is also a scene that's mimicked in Man of Steel. Because I know that there's a track called Goodbye My Son by Hans Zimmer from Man of Steel. They cut this, like, they close. They cut this so close. Yeah, I do want to know how much time passed between the council saying no. That's what I want to know, because he had to put this. this whole damn ship together. He did, you know what, though? He did say it was going to be destroyed within 30 now i don't know why he waited till 30 days to give this spiel to the council that's what i'm saying but maybe they've been hearing him talk about this for years and they're just like oh, probably damn it here comes Dorel again he's gonna here talk about the the, you know the, yeah oh, oh okay <laughs> just because the sun is overtaking the planet suddenly oh, it's we have a problem fine. it's just shifting <laughs> it'll readjust and it'll be fine it's just what a little hotter and there's a lot of problems with the food that we're eating, but it'll be fine. What starts to happen is the sun starts to take over the planet and they have to shoot the baby into space. Yeah. Good practical effects here on the planet oh falling God, apart. It. It's really awesome to watch this planet fall apart. Yes. 
and the starship thing. Yeah. No, I call it a starship. Yeah, the star spaceship. Starship, okay. Yeah, yeah. That gets shot off into space, and it goes through the ceiling, and I just thought of Willy Wonka. It looks like the Wonka Vader. It looks like the Wonka Vader going through the (laughs) fucking roof. I was like, one, I was like, is this a place where something should have been, like, just open it and, like, get out like it is for travel? Or was this, like, a, it's too late, just fucking go through it. Who cares? The whole planet's going, like, blown up. Like... Oh yeah, so you think this was just like fuck it, just get him through the ceiling, it, it doesn't matter. Don't even bother opening it, just go, just go. <laughs> this Too is late. kind Keep of going. the problem. I like that I mean, yes, building your entire planet out of glass and crystal looks great. Well, but I'm if wondering anything... if they carved it. I think it's carved. I think okay. this is what the planet is made out of. Interesting. Because yeah. you make everything out of crystals, and now suddenly there's this glass and stone flying everywhere. Cool looking roof, though, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we could make your roof out of something more stable, like, you know, steel, wood, some other things that make up the planet. But we figured make it out of crystal, and it looks really cool. Oh my god. No, I th- I think it they just kind of carved into it. It's kind of like carving into like the like stone or, or the clay or something like that. I think that's, that's kind of what the idea of it. I like that. Cuz it's like the, like the main source and it's sturdy, you know, for their planet. I don't know. It could be like the the flimsiest crap. I have no idea. But They could be living, yeah, in like mud huts for all we know. <laughs> but like the the whole shift and everything that's happening is causing like earthquakes and uh oh, stuff yeah. is like out People of, like, are getting the fucking ganked in this. They're oh dying left They're, and right. Everything is bright red from the sun because everything like glows through. I liked Four that. Nine. I thought that was a cool Great. look. It's kind. Of, it's kind of fun. I like it. Yeah, they're just like sinking into the planet. Yeah. Now, I did want to see one of two things. I wanted to see. Now, I guess this would have been cliche though. You do see some of the council members get killed. Mm-hmm. I wanted the council to all be together. I guess they kind of were. And then just being like, what have we done? <laughs> and like, oh, yeah. Get, or or kind of like for, look at each other and just feel like, oh no. Or we for Jorel to just kind of like nod at them, like, I told you. Or for them to kind of see like he sent Kellel out, something like that. Cause oh, yeah, right. that would have been interesting. Because Kellel does take all of the Kryptonian history with him. Yes. As we see the starship flying away, I like that we that we're going to call it a starship. I guess that is the most accurate term. It's a star. And the sun blows <laughs> up. And for a second, I thought the movie must have been in 3D because there's these red and blue specks everywhere on screen. And I was oh like, oh God. God, was this originally in like 3D or something? It was like one of the first 3D glasses movies. Yeah. Like the red and blue 3D glasses, yeah. people, not like the black shady ones that you have now. If you still go to 3D movies. Well, if you go the, on the rides at any of the like the yeah, places too, they do those shaded, a lot. Yeah. I don't think this was a this was not a three D thing. It just looked that no. way for a second. And as we are moving away from it, we get a very seventies s sequence of this ship flying through space because you get mm-hmm. these. Ad- well, it's like going from one galaxy to another. Yeah, but you get like all these like planets moving yeah. by and all this like stuff. And while this is happening. I think what's supposed to be happening here is there's like a bunch of knowledge with him. And I think I thought at first that he was absorbing the knowledge. Like it was just like, like, 
uh, Einstein's theory of relativity. And then he'd be like, this is all of the known elements according to the Kryptonians and like all this stuff. Yeah. And I think he's saying it all because it's like there so he can absorb whatever he can as the baby. As much as he can. Yeah. But then Jor-El ends up teaching it to him later at the later. fortress. Right. He yeah. gets more. I think it's like, okay, so you got some, you got like basic stuff. We got you the basics because you're a kid. You're not going to understand it until you're older. So he's we're going to give you baby. like the baby. He doesn't understand any of it. <laughs> Absorbed well, through osmosis. He's a Kryptonian baby. Excuse me. That's true. So he's it's, learning something. I guess. I guess it's kind of like if you have, if it's, you're, it's, it's the headphones on the womb with the, yeah. yes, <laughs> with exactly the classical music. <laughs> exactly. It's that or like, oh yeah, he's four months old, but we have him like fall asleep to. You should be having your child fall asleep to shelf life. But if oh, you yes. don't have them falling asleep to shelf, welcome it's like, baby. It's how you doing. <laughs> yes, we have a very big baby population that listen to <laughs> us. <laughs> but it's like if you had like a four month old or five month old listening to textbooks or his like history yeah. audio books or something like that. Sure, like it's that same idea because little Kal-El doesn't know what he's listening to. He's a baby. Yeah, so he's probably kind of like absorbing some of it, but not a lot. Yeah, I would assume he's doing something while he's in there because he's like he can't eat, sleep, do anything. He's I think aging, he's just so like something aging. is something is sustaining him, and because he looks he's... alive. Is, yeah. is, is it kind of itself a womb? I'm gonna bring this womb back. Is it I kind of like possible. they keep him in something like some sort of pod that yeah. he's allowed to age, but it's keeping him in a stasis? It's 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 the same thing with a lot of like sci-fi movies where you're going through space, right? You're in a pod and you're kind of like. Frozen. He seems conscious, though. Like he's yeah. But that's the thing. He's conscious. Well, that's because they're thousands of years into the future. I mean, their their technology is so much better. You don't even have to eat. You don't even know. <laughs> years in space. I mean, to think about it this way, he went from one galaxy to our galaxy in only a few years. Yeah, I think they say it's like a three-year trip or something like that's that. That's it. That's it. That's, we how, that's insane. We don't know how fast he was oh, going. We don't know wait. how far away Krypton is. He has to be going fast, faster than the speed of light because there is no way <laughs> that he would have only gotten here in three years. I mean, I guess with our technology, again, ours is behind. So we can't travel that fast, know. but they can. We just don't know. They went to Plaid. Ludicrous. I'm just going to keep talking about space balls. <laughs> so anyway... <laughs> eventually it finds earth and he crash lands on earth and he lands in smallville kansas yep and we get the kents they see the explosion so mom pa kent played by glenn ford playing jonathan kent who glenn ford is a very very famous actor from obviously back in the day by this time he was in his 70s in 1978 i think uh, maybe his 60s. But he was in a bunch of stuff, a bunch of different stuff that you would know. Some uh, some different things. He's he's a, He's got a very, very prolific filmography. I don't know which one of these is actually the famous one because I know some of these, but I don't know what, what people should know him from. Anyway. Okay. He died in 2006 at the age of 90. So if you can figure that out. Wow. That's what I'm saying. He was in his 60s at this point. And then Ma Kent, Martha. Martha Kent was is phyllis baxter who also was in a bunch of stuff back in the day but of course 
that's who's playing this. So they see this crash. And Mm -hmm. I guess subsequently or because of the crash, the tire also blows out. I think it was kind of a... This thing is going overhead, and he just happens to probably hit like a uh, or something, and okay. it, it 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 causes them to have a a blowout tire type. Of okay, thing. okay. Because I was trying to figure out was it the did the crash cause it or was the was it a separate issue? I think that it was caused... kind of parallel. Like it kind of caused it because he wasn't like you know yeah. it was jarring. Yep. Yep. Okay. And it looks like a meteorite crash surge. I mean, that's yes, what it is. It's yes. Just, so they go. It's just a big divot. Yeah. And they, they actually stop, go look at it. Yeah. And they're like, okay, there's this crash. And I guess they go investigate it, which I guess you would too. Like, would you? Okay. Folks, you want to. Know, the thing is, it could be dangerous. They've always said this. It I wouldn't go near it. Go near those if, if I, I see something, to. I'm getting the hell out of it. I'm it's reporting big it. Too. And I'm getting out of there. That thing is huge. Because for, this thing for could it be to radio come from space. Right. It could be a satellite that fell. It could be uh, aliens that are going to eat me. <laughs> it is an alien. <laughs> it could be the uh, the bug from Men in Black. You don't Ooh, know. Ooh, the bug from Men in Black. These two yokels in Smallville, Kansas are like, oh, I guess we'll just go see what this is. And what do they see, Rachel? A child. A naked toddler. Dick yep. in all. I, do you really? I mean, come on. <laughs> was that true. necessary? I mean, yes. It was. Yeah, I found it. I found it unsettling Whole that, that you saw this child little naked out child a, comes out of the meteor. You didn't find it a tad bit unsettling and disturbing that there's this little he was naked, naked child? going in. Do you think he's not going to be naked coming out? I just didn't expect us to see a little naked three-year-old or whatever. I just like the way he comes out. It's just like hi. He's got his hands I'm up like here. <laughs> great i'm kal-el like he just breaks into song song yes oh could, could you imagine this is a musical now it's superman the musical i just would be like okay something crashed there's this naked little three-year-old here well they didn't put it together i think they saw it as something crashed naked three-year-old was already in the in the field <laughs> and jumped down into in it field. okay <laughs> okay that's At least that's how little... he took it. That's how yes, Pa took that's it. That's how Pa took it. Yes. Ma, Ma took it as Angel yeah. from Heaven. Yes. Angel from Heaven gave me my child. This is all I wanted. Nobody has a kid. This is mine now. Well, <laughs> yes. Yes. That's how she took it. And Clark even hugs her. Yes. I guess Cal or whatever, but he hugs her. And I was like, that's we- a weird reaction. He's just a toddler. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I guess it's supposed to be like he's this like sweet little kid, even then, kind of. And yeah, they foreshadow here that because she says something about to Pa about like be careful, John. Like you have the doctor said something about your bad heart. Mm-hmm. I thought that Ma Ken comes off a little bit crazy here. What are they supposed to do? Because I get her point, and I get that she convinces John Pa Ken he's an alien. So what do oh, you? Yeah. What are we gonna think, do? They figured that out quick. The kid is holding up a truck. Okay, uh, he, that's he true. grabbed it. He grabbed it so it wouldn't fall on him. Yep. And yep. he's just holding up the truck, and then he just kind of like turn and are just like, mm, yeah. So this is where this is where Martha he, Kent was he in that that came from space. <laughs> yes, I this he was is where I think. Field. Yes, this is where I think <laughs> Martha Kent gets a little bit of a break instead of being crazy, like I want to call her. Because it is kind of now, well, what do we do? We either 
turn him turn in, him in. Or we keep it hidden so that he isn't experimented on like Elf. Because he looks just like a child. So it's like hard to be like, well, let's turn him into the government. That's going to be like, oh, alien, let's slice it open. Okay. Or <laughs> do we keep it? They couldn't and slice him open. It? Why not? How are they going to do? How are they going to slice They're gonna it open? They're going to try. They're going to try. Yeah. They're going to That's try. what I'm saying. They would try because yes. it's the American government. Okay. It's. <laughs> the american government they're gonna cut it open and so that's why they're like let's just keep it safe because it seems sweet and it doesn't seem like it's trying to hurt us it tried to save you so let's keep it safe and i know i'm calling it an it but he kind of is he's not human he's kryptonian right um so even pa is like we have to find out who his real family is and she's like he doesn't have a family like she's he's like i know all the families here like they don't have a kid and this thing came from that so (laughs) (laughs) so then time passes the next scene time passes and their Mm -hmm. whole idea of how they wanted this all to look was very norman rockwell like old school americana type of small town setting school yeah Mm -hmm. small town setting clark is an equipment manager for the football team Yep. And the first time I watched this, I didn't realize that this actor had his voice dubbed over by what Christopher Reeve. Really? Yeah, that's not his voice. That's Christopher Reeve doing the voice. It's very well done. You see it once I you kind of realize that. it. Yeah, but I didn't notice it at first. So anyway, yeah, Chris Reeves dubs over this actor's voice. Something West or East, I think is his name. It's very 70s seeming with the cheerleaders and the football team. Yeah. I it's like... kind of cute. I, I mean, they have the Smallville show. I remember watching a couple episodes of that, so I knew who Lana was yeah. <laughs> when I saw Lana her. Lana Lang. Lana <laughs> Lang. Yeah. <laughs> the one that Clark wanted. So The one that got away. I also like that Clark is the equipment manager of the football team because it does some showing not telling of how he was raised Mm -hmm. i go back and i've gone back and forth since watching it of if i was going to criticize the movie for not staying in smallville long enough because i like the idea of seeing a little bit more i like the idea of seeing how clark kent forms his idea of humanity and the kents teaching him humanity right which I do think Man of Steel does some more of. But at the same time, I do like the showy parts of this. He's not on the football team. No. He could be, clearly. Clearly, because he, he, instead... he shows. He shows that he can throw. He shows how much he can run. Like, instead obviously, he'd be amazing jocks. at it. Yeah. But he'd also be amazing at it. You're better than even the best right and it's better it's, than the it's, best boy well yeah which, it would be obvious would, it would be too obvious and it would show that he that he doesn't really fit no there's an episode of spectacular spider-man which we'll do one day where he oh, joins God, the football team we'll right. talk about it i'm, I'm sure well, there's other episodes of uh or movies where the superheroes try to use the oh, incredibles I- the Incredibles. That's right. Yeah, The Incredibles. The scene where he's they're telling him not to go that fast. He wants yeah, to be. Yeah. He, all he wants to do is be on the running team. He doesn't yeah. care. He goes, I'll, I'll, I'll slow down. I'll slow down. And then, like at the end, when they do the like, no, 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 go faster, just yeah. a little bit, like second slower, place, slower. second yeah, place. Slower. It's so cute, and I love yeah. that because he gets to be a part of the team, but he kind of <laughs> has to play with the. I can't use my powers to its fullest. Mm-hmm. Lana Lang 
a wonderful character, real character from the comics, of course, asks him out. Yeah, kind of, yeah. I mean, she asks him to be like a part of the group. Yeah, and I do want to know, folks at home, folks from, the, folks from the 70s, in particular, I guess, the country, we would, was this a thing that people did or is this more like 50s? Oh, wait, no, I guess this wasn't, wouldn't be the 70s because this would be the 60s. So this would be the 60s because she says we are going to go up to some house or barn or something and listen to records. So like, right. was that a thing to do? I or were they, so. or was it just like, Why they're going to hang out. They're going to like party, gonna and hang listen out, to listen to records. Yeah. Just that. But I she think invites that's the thing to do. And then this prick Brad, my God, which we've, we've made a, like, captain, all, like, like every like the captain of the football team. Like, uh. <laughs> like, like every other Brad, he's just a huge dick. Unless you're a listener of this podcast and your name is Brad, then we like you. You're fine. Well, you could be a Brad, though. Are you a Brad? Hashtag, Brad? hashtag not all Brads, Rachel. <laughs> oh, no. There's so many names that I hear that name, I go, ooh. And so it's like, I can't even, it's like Bryce. <laughs> I can't. Like, I have a friend named Bryce. And I'm like, I can't call you Bryce. I will never call you Bryce. For many reasons. <laughs> but Brad is like, he can't come, Lana. He's got too much work to do. And they're like a bunch of jerks. <laughs> yeah, and like, why? I guess because Clark has adopted a personality of being kind of very white bread, very baby face, very... Goody two-shoes? Yeah, I guess so. Because he's not totally, even as Superman, he's not he, totally, but he well, is... I know he is. He's a goody goody. He definitely is, 100%. He doesn't have the persona here of nerdy Clark Kent. Like, he's just no. Clark. You know, right, he's that's just what I'm saying. Like, like, he's just Clark. He's average. <laughs> like, yeah. I think that listeners might think it's weird because, like, I, I clearly stan. Kids are still saying that, right? Stan? Is that a thing? Uh, I think so. I think so, yeah. <laughs> or simping? Would I be I don't a like simp? the word simp. No. Okay. Can I just say, like, my favorites are characters like Captain America, like Steve Rogers and Aragorn and Jon Snow and Peter Malark. These guys that are like these selfless, like, goody, goody goods. Yes. But for some reason, I never got I never got into Superman. I don't know. Something about. Yeah, I think I think Brad doesn't like Superman either because Lana is being nice to him and well, giving him yeah. attention and he's like oh lana you're like supposed to be mine you're like the head cheerleader and i'm like the head of the football team and it's like all right he's operating under diana prophet's rules like the head cheerleader has to date the head football obviously or the, the captain of the football team you don't watch the water boy <laughs> he's not the water boy there's a very distinct difference. A you difference. just insulted. You insulted all of our all of our listeners that were equipment I'm managers. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> so Clark is forced to miss out on all the cheerleaders, which is a shame. Because at this point, I think that Clark would have definitely gotten a little bit from Lana. I'm just assuming. Think Lana would have. I don't know. He's handsome, so it's not like he like the girls wouldn't have liked him. He's not Christopher Reeve handsome at this point. But he's but... he's also not like this is high school. He looks like he's like a handsome kid for high school. Okay, right. and he's also he doesn't look like the nerd. You know, like the the glass and glass pushing nerd. He's yeah. just he's like a handsome dude. Like there he is. As they go away, 
he's pissed off so he punts a football in frustration and the thing goes like into space that was a real practical effect rachel they used an air cannon and they shot a football out of an air cannon to make it i love that yes like these are obviously that could be done with cgi and it wouldn't have probably be any different but it's just the creativity is so much more interesting yes except for this next part okay so he the running he decides for kicks to outrun a train or to race a train which i think is the faster than a locomotive or whatever it totally is faster than a locomotive part but the running horrifying like i'm a little confused like is he he must be on a string and it, it, but it's like the it's so jarring the way he runs. Oh, like the that way that he is. Like, like the for, yes. like, a, like a I don't mind effect. the fact that he's like that he's I, like faster than locomotive. Obviously, he would be because he's Superman. But yeah. I said it's it just the, it's just up. the weird jarring yeah, running it, that he's. Doing. I I think I think I don't know if it's practical or if it's animated or if they filmed I him running. String. I think he's literally being held up and he's just kind of swinging everything going like, ha here I go. It's, it's also possible that they filmed him running, sped it up, yes. and then filmed a train and spliced it together. And then like together. overlaid him. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what they did. But I think they had him like held up on a string and he's just <laughs> yeah because his legs are, it doesn't hold up very well but at the time i'm sure it was very good oh yeah sure but there's just there's just like little ones like that where it's like Ooh. yeah it's a little silly. well like watching captain america run and he's extremely fast yes yeah, so you know it, it, that holds up that better. looks good yeah but then you look at this you're just like that's a little jarring yeah you know it's just a little Folks, let us know how, if you know how this effect Everyone's was done, settling. because I, the documentaries I watched didn't go, I didn't go into a lot of the effects. It just told some of, it told the flying effects, but it didn't go into this one in particular. The one thing that is interesting, he decides he's going to try to outrun the train, which oh I guess if God. this, if this train hits him, he's killing all of these people <laughs> because he's going to be fine. Would, like, I think he would jump and kind of let it push him. I don't think he would like force it back. Uh, okay. If he yeah, has that much he's... control. I yes. wonder how much control he has. Because that's true. the interesting part. I think that that the Kents needed to teach him how to control his strength and speed and stuff. Right. Jorel, I don't like think a was that. Nec- like a little less. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. Jorel, I bet, was teaching him how to use it. But the Kents are just like, please don't murder us via right. your, you know, You're when real you get mad. <laughs> it's like, that's an interesting thing about this too, right? This is clearly. There is a, the interesting thing about Siegel and Schuster is they're Jewish and they made a very clear Jesus parable, even if they didn't mean to. Yeah, they kind of did. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's sending his only son to Earth. Yeah. To save yeah, they us. They kind of did. And well, they didn't, though. In the new movies, that's how they say it. Right they in in this and this one they don't. He's just like he's just gonna be different there, but he's gonna be alive. I think he's just sending him to be alive and and have the knowledge. I don't think he's there to like. He says well, at you're some now the point, god of that world. Enjoy. Like he says in the over in the voiceover at some point. He says they can be a great people if you can lead them. They're capable uh, of good. But it also says that he is not to um alter mess with history he, he's no, not, not to, to alter history not to alter history i but isn't it... that but hold on because if you're not altering history that means you're not altering future history 
I don't know. I think he I was. Think, I think he was to grow being on their literal. own. I, I think they're supposed to grow on his own. They're, he's not supposed to sit there and tell them how to build things and tell them what to do and 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 help them grow and change. I, uh, he's supposed to let them do what they're doing and grow and evolve and do what they need to. He's not supposed to get I in. I don't mind the interpretation that you're giving it, but I and I think that if you didn't know what the ending was, you could take it that way. But I think he meant it literally, and it's foreshadowing for the ending. More so than I, it, than that, because he does tell them like you can lead them, you can show them the way. Like he does say that. I, I, I just, it just doesn't. It, it, he contradicts himself then because he says you're not supposed to intervene, interfere, right? And then mm. he goes, but you can. Like bullshit. Okay, no, I say I call I, bullshit. I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily about interfering. I think it also he could does. be. He like, does. He says gonna... you're not to interfere. That is a rule. That I'm is what to... it says over and over and over to him at the end, too. Yeah, but I also think that it, it also could be like, I'm going to teach you these things and you can help them. You can guide them. That doesn't mean that you're interfering. That well, is you what can Superman teach them does. stuff of the universe that is lost. He's trying to make sure that that stuff doesn't isn't lost forever. But I don't think he's supposed to interfere and have a god complex. I don't know. This is I, this is I'm I'm holding to my side of this. I'm just saying. Folks at home, let us know what you think. I can't remember <laughs> where I was going with this. You were talking about the Jesus thing. Yeah, and I can't remember where I was going with it. I'm um, sorry. I didn't mean to like derail it. One of the interesting things that isn't canon in the Bible, and I think that people have said like there's like non-canon books of the Bible where. Jesus goes from being a baby and then there's like a scene of him as like as like a seven-year-old or whatever and then it goes right to when he's 32 or 33. Right. There's all his like teenage and 20-year-old 20, 20 years that are and like missing the, or in like a different book and they're like yeah. oh, that's not really real. We don't want to talk about that. Those Because years. he's because he's kind of a dick and he has to learn he's kind of learning how to be he has to learn humility and he has to learn how to be pr- a principled human and i think that's interesting like i i would find that interesting and i and i would I find that, that stuff great i, I guess that's what the show i guess what that's what the show like smallville is supposed to do with superman yes I, I it doesn't have to be in this movie but i just think that it's interesting that they kind of like don't show how the kents did it but they're kind of showing like be, all right so what happens is pieces. yeah he jumps by the train which by the way was real they somebody they had him like on a crane and they had him go and he almost got hit by the train train couldn't have been going like full speed then probably not but he did say like he could have gotten hit by that train that's scary those are effects that we don't need to do nowadays let's not put right. people in danger <laughs> right like that is what CGI is for. That's what CGI needs to come in. So he tries showing off a little bit because he's standing next to this car as the cheerleaders and Brad pass. And they're right. like, Clark, how did you get here? And he's like, I ran, which I like that line. I thought that was fun. Yeah, he's like, and ran. Brad's like, you're a freak. Brad turns out to be a drunk by Superman 4 or 3. So. <laughs> oh, no. um, pa Kent is like, you've been showing off a bit, huh, son? And... They go into a little bit of the philosophy here because Clark is like, is it really showing off to be doing something that you're capable of doing? Is it showing off if I use my abilities that I've been given them, like I should be able to use them? And Pa is like, no, 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 it's not showing off. But he explains that they were always worried that somebody was going to come take him away. Well, yeah. He knows that Clark is was here for a reason. He just doesn't know what it is. 
he doesn't know why he ended up in Smallville, but he knows that it's got to be for a reason and it's got to be better than throwing a football. Guys like that, Brad, I just want to tear him apart. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I know. I shouldn't. Yeah, I know. You can do all these amazing things and sometimes you think that you will just go bust unless you can tell people about it, huh? Yeah. yeah, that's right. I mean, every time I get the football, I can make a touchdown. <laughs> that's for sure. Every time. Yeah. I mean, is it showing off and somebody's doing the things he's capable of doing? Is, no. is a bird showing off when it flies? No. No, now, you listen to me. When you first came to us, we thought that people would come and take you away because when they found out, you know, the things you could do, and it worried us a lot. But then a man gets older and he thinks very differently and things get very clear. And there's one thing I do know, son, and that is you are here for a reason. I don't know whose reason, whatever the reason is, you know, maybe it's because... Uh, I don't know, it's... Uh... <sighs> but I do know one thing. It's not to score touchdowns. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Yeah, he's seeing him as like a some sort of savior type of character. He is yeah. seeing him that way. And I don't even know if if it's necessarily that Pa Kent sees him as a savior, but he sees well, him some as sort of, like, being capable of something greater. Being yes. capable of using his powers for good, for the good of right. humanity. Which doesn't necessarily mean that he has to be a savior. It can just mean that he stops the dam from bursting. Like he, he right. saves stuff. He doesn't try to lead the people he just well i guess i'm not saying like savior as in like jesus savior i'm saying we're talking like, about literal, literally hero, like, like savior yes, that saves yes. people got it, got <laughs> it. man of steel i think does try this too and i don't mind that it gives clark this like human purpose i just don't remember if i liked it in man of steel or not but we'll get there one day and if there's a future superman movie between now and when we get to man of steel we'll be talking about that superman movie uh, yeah. Again, of I'm sure. Pa starts to jog because. Sorry. Oh, you weren't expecting, wasn't expecting this? this. No, I wasn't because, because I, I know the man is steel death. I don't know this yeah. one. And I don't think Pa Kent dies in every canon of Superman. I don't know if He's that's not like Uncle canon. Ben, yeah. Right? Yeah. So I didn't didn't expect this. So Clark is like, "Oh, I'll race you to the the barn," and Pa's like, "Oh, okay," and he starts going for a little couple seconds, and then he immediately has a heart attack. And his last words are like, oh, no, I don't like to have those being your last words because he's realizing he's dying. scary. I don't like it either. I mean, it's all your last words that we hear. I don't know if he like immediately is dead the second he's on the ground. That's true. He might talk to them beforehand. We don't get to see that. And Clark calls him dad, which I liked because there was none of the there was none of the crap that is in Man of Steel where it's like, you're not my dad and like all of that stuff. No, he just this is his this is his mom, pa. Like, yeah, this is, this is this is my family. This is family. They go from the, that particular scene to Clark and Martha lamenting at the funeral. And Clark is like, even with all my powers, I couldn't save him. Which That's is sad. true. Like, what was he going to do? Now, you can't. Can I say this? Because Man of Steel is different. Yeah. And I hated it. I preferred okay. this because he couldn't save him because right. he didn't he have, could the have saved John Ken in Man of Steel. Yeah. And it was just like stupid that he didn't. It was just stupid. Like it wasn't even like a, oh, don't do it because you're going to get found out. It was stupid. It was this very was, stupid. This felt way more real. Right. 
I have these physical powers that I could save people and I couldn't save him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so sad. And even if he did what happened at the end, happens at the end of the movie, he couldn't save him. There was no saving him. No. Which I, I like that he, that he basically is learning that that's a limitation to his strength. Right. humans die like he has to deal with death even though i'm not necessarily like sold on having to see pa kent die like yeah i get it and the dude was in his 60s with this you know so i mean he was Mm -hmm. he's getting up there clark wakes up early or the middle of the night i couldn't tell he left the radio on and something is drawing him to the barn i Mm -hmm. guess right like is that what we're supposed to think i think so he goes into this i don't know if it's an age thing it could be his age that maybe like they they set a timer or is it like a i lost something and now something is calling to him that has probably always been calling to him but because he had a family and they were always there right so now he's missing something so now he's actually feeling that pull I don't know. I'm just, I, I, either way. Look, I, 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 I might be digging deeper than it is. That's pretty but... deep into it because <laughs> Jor-El even is like, my son, you turned 18. <laughs> so... so it's a timer. <laughs> it's just a timer. But I mean, your interpretation is fascinating. <laughs> look, I, I overthink these things so much. <laughs> so he goes into this area of the barn. There's like under the floorboards, there's this like hidden area where they kept the pod thing that he came in. And there's the green glowing crystal thing. And he pulls mm-hmm. it out. And I guess what you're supposed to assume is that it gave him some sort of ex- instructions or something. For a second, it looks like a lightsaber. It's, I guess you're just supposed to interpret that. <laughs> like, how does he know that he's supposed to do something with this Again, thing? is it just this pull that's like, it's this physical feeling of like I need to uh, to to go to a, a nice place. Like I don't. <laughs> I, need uh, I need to, to head cold. to the Arctic, mother. <laughs> no, I have to go to the Arctic, mother. I've been told by this crystal that all my answers will be on a glacier in the Arctic. It's so weird. That's it's where just... I'm going. He doesn't so, even tell her that, though. He just says, "I'm going north." At dawn. Ma finds him standing out in the fields. There's some good Cheerios product placement here and some very good scenery <laughs> shots. Oh, yeah. Oh, you got some great sunrises. It's a great sunrise. It looks eerily like future episode The Outsiders where they do Oh, my that. God, yes. <laughs> this, is, this is done. Speed golden, Superman. Now all I can picture is Superman being like, I have to give myself a secret identity. And he cuts and dyes his hair. Blonde. Oh, blonde Superman. Oh, that's just like an old. That's that, a disturbing that, thought. That is unsettling. Superman. That's evil. Yeah, that's definitely unsettling. That's it's evil very Superman. Unsettling. I guess it's actually. Sounds I like, guess um, it's actually what Adam Warlock ends up being in the Marvel Universe or the Sentry. Both characters are blonde. <laughs> Anyway, we'll do those <laughs> comics one day. So she walks out to the field and she tells him that he tells her he has to leave. And she's like, yeah, I figured one day I was going to have to leave. And Clark's like, Ben Hubbard said he'll help out on the farm. So I guess she's going to have a gentleman caller to help well, no, out with the farm. It's the farmhand. <laughs> the 
gentleman caller. Why oh, you think that? Him? Oh, you don't think it's like another farm owner? I thought it was like Ben Hubbard's like, oh, yeah, I got the farm next to the Kents and I'll just plow their field too. You think it's like some guy that's like, yeah, I work on the Hubbard farm, but I can also do, like help your mom I would think so. Because I figured he's just telling people he's going to college, which is right. basically what he, he does. Th- and now she needs a farm hand, especially yeah. with Pa Pa's dead, yeah. I think that's the better way to interpret this, for sure. Gentleman caller, no. He was like, finally, John Kent's dead. Now I can finally make my move. (laughs) We're going to knock these farms together. (laughs) (laughs) How about we expand our territory here? Oh, no. He's trying to take... There's a whole thing growth fields for you. (laughs) He's He's trying to take over the... The Kent farm. Now that John oh, Kent's no. dead, he's trying to get. I'm gonna double this farm. Good, good. I get the farm now. <laughs> the Kent boy gave it to me. I was trying to figure out because she's like, "Don't forget us, son. Remember us." And well, I was like, I, she, "I think she thinks he's going north, not okay. That's like, what directional I I north, like, lady. <laughs> he can come visit." It's like he's leaving for college. He can come on the weekends. But he doesn't explain any of that. She, he just goes, I'm going north. And I think she went up. So we Z-axis. We're going fucking, or Y-axis. We're going fucking north into the sky. He ends up going to study with Jorel for 12 years. Did he not visit this woman I don't for think 12 did. years? I don't think he did. Because that's just being a bad son. Yeah, that damn straight, that's a bad son. Ma Kent is a good mom for all we've seen. These people have treated you she like their own. And you didn't visit her for 12 years? Shame on you, Clark woman. Kent. You could have told Jorel's hologram that you had to go spend Christmas and some different holidays with Ma down in Smallville right. and come back. Yes. I don't want to believe that. I want to believe that he spent the he got he got a he winter comes back break. Back holidays. That Jorel's like, like, oh hey, I'm back from school. Like, hello, <laughs> where where are you going? We have to study more. And he's like, oh, I'm me. sorry, father, but uh, I have I have a um I have to spend Christmas with Ma. My stepma. <laughs> we have to. Uh, we, we're doing the plowing, and I have to be there for a couple of weeks. And he's she like, makes but, the best cookies. But <laughs> is this this is more important? Well, then some human you're not cookies. even gonna notice that i'm not here <laughs> he pauses the hologram i'm <laughs> just gonna press pause you're not even gonna notice that i'm gone i promise it's just like yeah just gonna pause you here <laughs> come back in a couple of weeks <laughs> before i go into this this is where I was like, the movie packs a lot in. It has to keep moving to pack a lot in. But I was like, we got yeah. three scenes in Smallville and we are out. And we never oh, yeah. come back to Smallville. No. So, I mean, I don't mind it. I don't, But this is where I, I think I told you offline. I was like, I kind of wanted this movie to be longer. Or like you want it to be longer. Yeah, you want to cut it. Like, you want it to give you more, but there's so much... Yeah, like at what point would the pacing get bad? Yeah. Right. So it's kind of like you'd have to cut and like pull things apart and say, there's a couple of scenes that probably could have been cut. We haven't gotten to them yet. I agree. I agree. Clark goes to the Arctic. 
he goes on his Rudolph adventure. He brings only a backpack and his flannel jacket. That's correct. I guess because he's Superman, he doesn't get cold, so he's fine. I guess. He takes out the green crystal, and Mm -hmm. he just chucks this thing. And it's Superman, so I'm like, do you really want to be just chucking it? Like, how do you... Don't chuck it too far. Like, you're not going to see what it does. But again... How does he get these instructions? <laughs> and because the green crystal hits the ground, it's the ground starts shaking and right. bubbles up to the surface is a fortress of solitude. It's right. all it crystals. Grows. I guess it's supposed to be like made out of the ice. And all I could think of was this is going to wreak havoc on the Earth's climate and An ecosystem yeah because oh god now all the glaciers are all moved around because now this fortress of solitude is there well just think about it now like all the melting glaciers what's going on with the fortress of solitude is it is it's it floating. ice is it just is it crystal but it goes to, he needed to be in the ice area so it like blended in and now it doesn't oh, anymore that's interesting well, so, yeah, because that would be even I more think it's made of ice. I think it's made of crystal. Okay. And it's actually grown, and it's, like, connected to the Earth now. Okay. I think, actually, Superman Returns might have that as part of the plot when we get to that. Anyway, <laughs> I, again, I'm not, I don't remember a lot of these movies, but I know I went to the theaters to see Superman Returns. The Fortress, the Fortress of Solitude and the, there's a bunch of lighting and sound effects. They're all very old-fashioned. They're all like, pew, pew, choo, 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 choo. light coming up from the crystals mm-hmm, to give you like mm-hmm. all this different glow. Oh, right, yes. Clark walks over to it, and he goes inside. There is a green glow from the, from the crystal. I like that attention to detail, that mm-hmm. the crystal is still emitting this green glow. Because it grew from it. Yes. Yeah, I like it. Think about it. And <laughs> in the middle... There's a in pipe the middle organ. is this crystal pipe organ. <laughs> I wrote the same thing. <laughs> so the crystal, this crystal pipe organ, I think, is the same thing that Jorel was playing with. I learned. Oh yeah, the pipe organ. I think it must be like a smaller version. My but, son yeah. Kalel, you will learn to play the pipe organ. <laughs> <laughs> After all those years, and Jorel said something, and he's just like, "Good." It is finally time, my son, for you to learn how to play the pipe organ. He was just a musician. He had nothing to do with anything else. <laughs> he wasn't on the council. All he was was a musician at Krypton. Yes. Who had these crazy theories about the planet blowing up. Exactly. I will, we will now go the composer. through. I will now teach you all of the works that we had on Krypton. First. Yeah. So the funny thing do, is, is that he says Krypton, do, 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 and in his stance says Krypton. You'd think he'd say Krypton because. Yeah. Just... But later he says Krypton the right way, because Christopher Reeve was like, "No, fuck that. It's Krypton. We're saying Krypton because that's what it is." <laughs> so that the the Zordon head comes back, but it's his father. <laughs> but it's yeah. But it's Marlon Brando again. Oh, well, first of all, Clark pulls a piece of this thing out and he starts fiddling around with it and that's how the hologram oh, yeah, comes yeah. out. So again, it's just like, I want to know how long he was fiddling around before this happened. <laughs> yeah, they caught out a lot. He's just like, is it this one? Should I put it into this one? What if I went over here? Yeah. <laughs> what if I use all of them at the same time? <laughs> so, do I have to crack it open? I don't understand. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> what do I eat while I'm up here? All I brought was this backpack filled with fig newtons and Cheerios. I guess you can eat the fish. 
He kills a polar bear and he's eating it. <laughs> he's wearing a polar bear. <laughs> <laughs> Day, day 984 I, I've made a polar bear pelt he goes crazy because he's all alone and only listening to Jor-El who doesn't really talk back he hasn't he hasn't figured out he has out to how ask to like the right questions he doesn't ask the right question Jor-El just stares and blinks because <laughs> it's like a bad computer program yes yeah Jor-El was the first uh, Russian bot <laughs> So if you didn't, it's the first Tinder bot. First like if you AI. don't, if you don't say specifically the right thing, he just keeps repeating, "Hello, Kalal, you're my son. You're 18. <laughs> Ask me the right questions." So what? How does the crystals work? Hello, Kalal. I am Jorel, your father. Yeah, you already said that. You are 18. I am Ask your father. The- <laughs> Ask me the right questions. <laughs> Um, the shards that you gave me? Ah, yes, the shards. <laughs> Hello, Kellel. I am Jarrell, <laughs> your father. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a long 12 years. <laughs> so the highest paid actor then gives us exposition. I like how it zooms and we go back to the stars. And that would have looked really cool in the theaters. Like you can, you can picture a theater screen. I don't know if they'll go to... Uh, you know, maybe they'll do like a 45th year anniversary or something. Oh, and that would be so go fun. see in the theater or, you know, 50 year that. anniversary. Because I think this would have looked really cool. And we start to hear the lessons that Jor-El gives him. And he repeats, do not affect human history. Here's all the stuff I can teach you. And he basically went to college. And he did it for 12 years. So he got a doctorate in all of recorded history and science and everything else. Right. So we now we know Superman is 30. And at the end of the lessons... Jor-El tells him, serve humanity and live as one of them. This is where he tells them they can be great if they wish to be. They only like the light to show them the way. But for their capacity for good, I have sent them you. It's a Jesus metaphor for sure, but it got it got to me. I actually felt it, Rachel, and I not I don't believe wow. in the Superman corniness. But I was and I don't know if it's just because of the times we're living in or something, but I was just like, yes. Sometimes you need that corniness, right? I yeah. I like having the idea of a goody good, like someone that's just like a really simple idea. It's just he, a really simple idea. He truly believes in the goodness of humanity, which is why him and, and Batman butt heads. But he truly believes that there is a capacity for good. And I like that there is a character that can do that. Regardless if it's my own personal beliefs or not, it's nice to have something like that in the world. It's optimism in a world that we live in right now, which I believe is nothing but cynicism. It's hope. It's hope. Which is what Superman is. Oh, yeah. He's like the beacon of hope. That is what I would call him. Yes. Yeah. And we see Superman in full regalia. He must have learned to sew. I this is where I like our interpretation where they gave, they put that in the pipe organ, and oh, so like it wasn't just his blanket; it's also because he well, had like this whole thing on when he was a baby. They like I wrapped him in the cape. They wrapped him in the cape. It was his pants. They wrapped him in the cape. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think they so they did the just give him the full costume. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Now I don't know if Very it was pompous. if it was that you know body tight. tight. 
it just doesn't glow because it's not kryptonite or a krypton is that why it doesn't glow yeah it doesn't glow off the surface of the earth so it doesn't glow that would be like now you got a picture you got a picture Mm -hmm. superman on krypton this whole suit glowing yeah that's what it is yeah and i think i bet the cape was just his baby blanket and he just puts it on as a cape oh my god now it's just like a child thing where you take a blanket and you make it a cape (laughs) he just does that yeah Aw, that's cute. That's just cute. <laughs> um, but he flies out of the fortress. We get a little bit of that. Dun, da, 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 dun. Dun, da, 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 dun. And we immediately cut to Metropolis, and the tone yep. changes to a total comic strip. Continued in part two. 